you've already heard me mention eight hours as like the golden standard. And that is, you know, like I'd say for athletes, eight hours is like the minimum. If you're getting less than eight hours and we can go into this now or later, um, less than eight hours is not ideal. Uh, I'd say anywhere from eight to 10 hours of actually sleeping, not just time in bed. So really that's like nine to 11 hours of time in bed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today I'm joined by Ignition co-founders Dylan Johnson and Drew Dillman, as well as fellow Ignition coach Caitlin Maddox. And we're talking all about sleep. Why is sleep good for you? How do you track your sleep? And why it's important to factor into your training and performance. As mentioned at the top of the show, Ignition powers this podcast. So let's take a moment to hear from Drew Dillman explaining why it's important to have a coach in your corner. I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., Developing coaches, connecting athletes. This episode is also brought to you by Flow Formula, so don't forget to use discount code Ignition Podcast when picking up your next order of endurance sports specific formulated nutrition products at flowformulas.com. As always, if you like what you hear, please, please, please share this with your friends and leave us a five star review. If you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast or find us on Instagram and send us a DM. All right, let's get into it. All right, everyone. Season two, episode two. I'm not really calling it season two yet, but that's what I, I've been calling it. Are we? Are we just setting ourselves up to take a month break after after like every eighth episode? Yeah, I mean, if you go back into the archives, we do talk about the uh, the necessity of an off season break. So maybe that's what we took with podcasting as well. That is true. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about sleep. Why is it important? How much sleep do we need? Does it actually help your performance? Uh, Drew, this was a topic that you had recently done some studying on. So do you want to kick us off today? Do you have any initial tidbits to share with the folks? Yes, I do. I figured. (laughs) I'm putting my prediction in. There's no shot. We can keep this at 30 minutes. Well, we're going to have to, to we're going to have to keep it. To at least to 45. 45 minutes, because I'm going to have to jump off at 45 minutes. All right. 
So, we all know, like, these, like, I guess they're called idioms, but, like, the early bird gets the worm, you snooze, you lose, all those, you know? Um, I would make the argument that if you don't snooze, you lose, which is actually just a direct quote from the book I'm reading on sleep. It's called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, and that's kind of where, yeah, that's kind of where... This all got started. Um, it was recommended to me by a fellow ignition coach about a year ago, so I finally got to it. It all kind of coincided because I got a whoop about two months ago, so I was like, well, maybe I should learn more about sleep since this little thing on my wrist is going to tell me how little sleep I get. So the combination of things all occurred to like get me kind of focused on sleep. So here we are recording a podcast on sleep. Uh, yeah, and I'm, you know... I don't want to say I've had like an awakening. <laughs> Dude, just all about the puns today. Wow. Man, that one wasn't even on purpose. I don't want to say I've had like an awakening, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've definitely had my eyes opened a little bit more to how important sleep is, especially in the life of a elite cyclist or, or even just, you know, your everyday cyclists. Um, I mean, when you talk to, so there's this contradiction, like when you talk to athletes and coaches, they rank sleep as one of the highest, most important things of recovery and adaptation and performance. Yet at the same time, we we don't see coaches and athletes fostering a focus of getting good sleep. And I think maybe there's something cultural with this too, where like we live in a society that prides itself on lack of sleep. Like how many times have we heard people brag like, on how little sleep they get because they're just grinding away at both ends of the day, you know? So I think there's a little bit of that, like, you know, when we see people who sleep too much, we instantly think, Oh, they're lazy. Uh, in fact, in this book, it talks about teenagers and it says oftentimes parents, um, get too focused on what teenagers are missing out by sleeping when really they should be thinking about what they're what they're actually getting from sleeping because teenagers need to sleep a lot. Um, so like just a different perspective on sleep, I think is probably required, um, to be able to get a better, a better night's sleep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so Drew, you're the, you're the kind of dude who you, need to wake up early in the morning because if you don't wake up early in the morning you feel like you're not being productive exactly and you set set an alarm even if you don't like like you set an alarm for whatever 7 7 30 i don't know even if you don't need to wake up at that time absolutely i'm so have you have you changed your opinion on that or no i'm preaching to myself um i won't necessarily i don't think waking up early is bad it's just like how much time are you spending in bed? How much of that time are you actually sleeping? Which the whoop thing, that's been the biggest thing that it's pointed out to me is like, even though I'm in bed for seven and a half, eight hours, I'm not even getting seven hours of sleep usually. So like, that's been a pretty rude awakening again. Um, because yeah, like I might be in bed from 1030 to 630, which is eight hours but I'm only getting seven hours of sleep because it takes you time to fall asleep. You wake up throughout the night. Um, so that's been, you know, I've definitely like started to think, okay, now I need to like bookend both of those with 30 minutes or something to where I'm actually spending like closer to eight and a half, nine hours in bed and actually getting 
closer to eight hours of sleep. And like, you've already heard me mention eight hours as like the golden standard. And that is, you know, like, I'd say for athletes, eight hours is like the minimum. If you're getting less than eight hours, and we can go into this now or later, um, less than eight hours is not ideal. Uh, I'd say anywhere from eight to 10 hours of actually sleeping, not just time in bed. So really, that's like nine to 11 hours of time in bed. Um, Because athletes, obviously, like the things that the thing, all of the ingredients that go into how much sleep you need are like strain, sleep debt, and your circadian rhythm, I think, like, there's a couple other things. But those are like the main things about why you sleep, how long or like, how many hours do I need to sleep tonight? Well, depends on how hard you went today. Are you lacking sleep from the last couple of days? Are you in a different time zone? Things like that. Um, And obviously, like the harder we work out, the more sleep we need. And that's the neat thing about the whoop device. I'm not again, we're not like sponsored by whoop or anything like that. I'm just pointing out some of the cool features it has is that it tells you it measures your day strain and then suggests a certain amount of sleep that you should get based off of that strain. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a helpful, helpful thing to, to have that right there. It tells you like, so back to Dylan's, like if I'm going to wake up at 6.30 or 7am, the Whoop app literally tells me if, if you if you want to be able to perform tomorrow, you need to be in bed by 9.26 tonight or whatever the time is. Because if I'm, if I'm in bed by that time, I'll get the right amount of sleep. I'll be honest, I didn't find the Whoop strap to be that helpful. Well, you already like sleep a lot. I like I'm totally in this like mindset of like, yeah, I wake up early and work hard. And yeah, like I I guess. Well, I I thought that the strain score was useless because literally every single day that I went for a ride, it told me I was like at the max strain. Um, And and also the HRV recovery thing. I was very excited about it at first because there was some research on on like people that used HRV to determine their training versus people that just followed a preset training plan and the people that followed their HRV actually performed better at the end. But I, there were just days where I felt horrible and it told me I was in the green and there were days that I felt great and it told me I was in the red and I was like, there were too many of those days. And I was like, this, this is, this is useless. Dylan, how, how long did you use the whoop device for? Probably like three or four months. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because I know that they recommend like 30 to 60 days just to for the device to calibrate to your body, but it sounds like you at least exceeded yeah. that. Yeah, it was. It, it might have been longer. It might have been like a full six months that I used it. Um, We're so, also talking to a guy that's tended to overtrain, and he's telling us that his whoop told him that he was getting 20s every day. Maybe there's a correlation Well, that's there. just that's just like how... You know, that's just based off of your training. Like I would do like a four hour endurance ride and it'd tell me like I was, what, what's the max 21? Yeah. I would be like a 20.9 every single day. Yeah. I mean, most so of clearly, four hours a day. It's a lot of training. Well, so, so what I'm saying is like, it's not calibrated for, for like somebody who's an elite athlete. Like I feel like their algorithm mm. should take that into account as well. Like if yeah. if the person wearing the strap is exercising for four hours every day, then a four hour day of exercise should not be the max strain. Yeah, right. 
All right, that was a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> so we're how do we want to go into like what do we want to go with next? Uh, I mean, guys... I I've done. I know how you love books, Drew. So I'm bringing in another one. It's called "Good to Go" by Christy Ashwan, and I'm All honestly right. jealous of uh, her little endeavor in writing this book because she tested like hundreds of recovery methods, anywhere from cryotherapy to Tom Brady's $100 PJs. And spoiler alert, sleep was obviously, you know, the MVP, the go with the the number one recovery method. And I think moral of the story, all the other recovery methods were if it feels good for you, it probably works in some capacity. And most of that being that like the squeezy leg bags or sitting in a hot tub, like it forces you to just be with yourself or sit with your family and watch a movie or something. And you're resting. So that's the second best thing to sleep. So, um, yeah, I mean, that just goes to show. There's a a quote in here I wanted to read because you uh, reminded me about sleep deprivation. And if you haven't listened to the podcast on caffeine, go listen to that because it's similar in the fact that people Mm -hmm. who say, yeah, I can have a cup of coffee and then sleep fine. They're not they've become accustomed to that and they're not realizing how affected their sleep actually is. So uh, Mita Singh, a sleep specialist, um, says most of the time when someone says they only need five or six hours of sleep, what means is that their ability to tolerate sleep deprivation is better than most, but they're actually walking around with sleep debt and have forgotten what it feels like to be awake and alert. Uh, When people are limited... Uh, to five around five hours of sleep per night they report feeling very sleepy after the first night but chronic sleep loss blunts the sleep drive so after a night or two the person doesn't feel as sleepy as they should you think you're functioning okay but you're actually not it's like showing up to the game drunk if you only get six hours of sleep you double or triple your normal reaction times wow yeah one of the one of the chapters in the book that i read is called it says uh you don't realize how sleep deprived you are when you're, when you are sleep deprived. (laughs) Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's like you're unaware of, it's like a fish in water, right? Like you don't, you don't realize that you're actually as tired as you are. Um, I think it'd be nice to like maybe talk or define or explain what sleep debt is. This is also referred to as like sleep pressure, you know, like, uh, and it's kind of like self-explanatory, but if you go back and listen to, we mentioned, in the podcast on caffeine about adenosine and that's like that's basically like the sleepiness molecule that builds up in our brains so this the more sleep sleepy we get that's actually this adenosine molecule just like accumulating in our brains i guess um so what caffeine does is it just caffeine just blocks the receptors so that our brains actually don't get that adenosine um but as the day goes on, and usually the, it's about a 16-hour, I think it's called a, uh, we have a 16-hour reset rate, I think is what it's called, or something along those lines of like every 16 hours, we pretty much hit like a good amount of adenosine to where we're sleepy and tired. And back to the eight hours thing, it takes at least eight hours for us to co- totally clear out that adenosine. And so a good rule of thumb is that if you find yourself sleepy um, mid morning, you know, like if it, if you wake up at eight and you're already sleepy at like 10 or 11 AM, that's probably a good sign that you have adenosine left over from the day before that didn't, 
didn't get totally cleared out, which is like, a, you know, which is like a red flag of like, hey, you didn't get enough sleep last night. And often what do we do? We just chug some coffee and, and ignore basically what we're doing is like, we're not getting rid of that adenosine, we're just ignoring it. Um, and so what happens is it just keeps building and building. And eventually you hit that crash. And like that night, you're even more tired than the night before, because now you've got even more adenosine. So that sleep pressure, that sleep debt just keeps accumulating. Um, so yeah, that's Drew, what that. Drew, does the, is the adenosine clearance, does that only happen when you're sleeping? Like there's no other way to, to clear that adenosine from your system or reset the system? Dang, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I want to assume that yes, sleep is the only way to get rid of it. Um, that is a very good question. Like, is there, is there a way, I mean, like caffeine is the only thing that I can think of that that's the only other thing that I've read or heard of that affects the adenosine and it just blocks the receptor. Well, I'm probably, sure, like, probably I'm sure adrenaline does too, like, you know, or even endorphins, yeah. um, you know, or exercise these things probably that just can over... mask it temporarily. Right, right. And, and other and other stimulants and depressants and all that. Yeah. yeah. Caffeine's yeah. not the only drug. But I don't know of like of, of things that actually get rid of the adenosine. I'm not um I don't know. Yeah, sleep is the only one that I think I've read about or my so book in, on in, sleep has only mentioned sleep. <laughs> yeah. So in, in Drew, so you're talking about coming into this sleep debt state where you're basically just, you know, chronically deprived of sleep you know, so you're under, under sleeping, right? Is there a way, so there, you know, it sounds like there's a way that you can make up sleep, you know, to, to kind of shed that extra adenosine that's built up. Is there a way to bank sleep ahead of time? Like if you know, like mm. next week I'm going to be traveling overseas and I'm going to be, you know, sleepless for, you know, three out of seven nights, like, can you sleep 10 hours a night the week before to try and bank sleep? Yeah. I think they talked about this in the book. I can't like recall exactly what it said, but there's two, th I mean, like there's sleep pressure, but also at the same time, there's circadian rhythm. Like those two things work in unison together to help you sleep. So you can't just totally ignore your circadian rhythm because despite how much sleep debt you accumulate, your circadian rhythm is just going all the time. And it, it's a lot of it has to do with your night and day uh, cycle. So like no matter how, no matter how like how much sleep debt you have, when it's light outside, the circad your circadian rhythm is telling you right then and there to be awake. So like, even if you didn't sleep all night tonight, which means you'd accumulate a lot of sleep debt, tomorrow morning you would actually start to feel more awake um, because your circadian rhythm would, would spike up. And so there's two things to like, you can't just totally ignore circadian rhythm. So like, you can't just like sleep all day and all night and like bank up the sleep. But um I don't remember exactly like to the answer to that question, but I do remember that if you do miss out on sleep, it's like the book almost emphasized that there's like, once you miss out on sleep, you almost can't recover from that sleep because it has prolonged effects even on your brain. Um, so it's like, it's more serious. I, I guess that's like a lot of times we kind of think, and this is also a misconception of like, Oh, I'll just take a 20 minute power nap and that will, I can just take these 20 minute power naps and that, and then I can just forego really like good sleep at night. And that's not good either. Cause like, you're not actually getting that reset and like the replenishment of that sleep offers. You're just kind of like masking it. Um, do they, do they talk about what, a, like if, if you were going to take a midday nap, what the minimum duration would need to be for that to be effective? 
Um, it has. They didn't talk about that. I don't think okay. like like specifics on that. I do remember that when I do remember this from when um, when the coach when the ignition coach Jarrett talked about this about a year ago. He had said uh, maybe he did some other research, but I remember him saying that a ninety minute nap it's either it's either going to be less than twenty minutes or more than ninety minutes because most sleep cycles are 90 minutes and you don't want to wake up right in the middle of a sleep cycle. Um, and most of the time sleep cycles are 90 minutes. And so if you're going to do it, either get a little bit of REM sleep, which happens like really early on and then wake yourself up. So that's like the less than 20 minutes approach or do the full sleep cycle where you actually go through a full REM and NREM, um, cycle. And you get like the full kind of restorative of a full sleep cycle. Yeah. Um, I, I 20 minute, 20 minute naps to me, it just kind of blows my mind that anybody yeah. sets an alarm after 20 minutes. I never do. That. Right. Um, I have done at a, least 40 minutes to fall asleep most of the time. So I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> That's why I can't. Well, nap. it doesn't, it doesn't take me 40 minutes to fall asleep, but um. I have done a video on sleep and I've done a lot of research on it. Um, so I don't know, maybe we could get into a little bit of that. Sure. Like how it affects uh, cycling performance. Yeah. So um, the first, like the first study I have just talks about how sleep impairs recovery and it, you know, it's really simple. You just have people do a hard workout one day and then you either put them into a group where they get a normal amount of sleep or you put them into a group where they only get like two hours of sleep and then you test them again the next day. Um, and it's not it's not that shocking that the next day, the group that got two hours of sleep performed worse. Uh, in this study, they performed 4%. Uh, they perfor- performed 4% worse. Um, I think we all like intuitively know that. I think what's what's more 4% interesting sounds low though. I mean like I like I yeah, always, but like I feel way worse than 4% off. Yeah, but think about if you do an FTP test and like let's just say your FTP is, you know, you can do 300 watts for 20 minutes. Uh 4% of 300 is 12 12 watts. watts. Yeah. yeah. It's 12 it's 12 watts <laughs> 12 to 15 watts like yeah, yeah so that i mean that's a lot like so if you can do 300 you know if if we're if we're talking about the difference between 300 and you know 288 i mean that's substantial um at least i think it is um i i think what's interesting though is they've done research on th- like the night before um, and to see how that affects performance. And this is actually, I, I find this to be good news as a racer, but they, the research seems to indicate that having a bad night's sleep the night before physical activity or a race doesn't really, really seem to affect performance of that race or physical activity. So for example, they had subjects stay awake for 24 hours before doing a physical test and the performance was not affected. However, it was affected at 36 hours of being awake. So what I, and, and, and there's, there's further research on that. And they, they kind of come to the conclusion that if you, 
if you have been getting a normal amount of sleep throughout the week and then the night before the race, you're super nervous and you can't sleep or you have a bad night's sleep, maybe you only get three hours of sleep because you can you can't fall asleep. That is not that's not the end of your race. In fact, that's that's you're probably going to be fine. And I I think that this is good news for people because a lot of people don't get a good night's sleep the night before the race. And it doesn't mean that your performance is going to tank just because you got one bad night's sleep the night before. Yeah. Yeah. I read one study uh, that was talking about like often, oftentimes these studies look at like, oh, let's restrict sleep and see how it affects cyclists. So this study actually did the opposite and they extended sleep to see if it had a positive gain. Um, it's called extended mm-hmm. sleep maintains endurance performance better than normal or restricting sleep. And they basically uh, came to this conclusion that compared with normal sleep, extending sleep time for three consecutive nights um, and the average time that they added to the sleep was 90 minutes, 108 minutes and 78 minutes. So you're talking an extra sleep cycle, you know, at least 90 minutes there. Um, getting one extra sleep cycle improved performance by 3% or approximately two minutes across a 60 minute time trial. And these are in trained, trained cyclists. Um, and then it also said similar to what you were just saying, talking about Dylan, that compared with normal sleep, we found performance was unaffected by one night, but impaired after two nights of restricted sleep where they got less than five hours. So basically what they did is they took three groups one group slept normally for four days. One group increased their sleep by an hour and a half. And the other one, they decreased their sleep by an hour and a half, I think. Um, and along as those three days progressed, it was like the extended sleep group performance went up and the uh, restricted sleep performance went down, which, again, is like pretty intuitive. Mm-hmm. So were they doing the time trial every day then for those four days? Um, I think so. Okay. I think they might've, they but might've when they, put, when they say when I, and I haven't read this study, but when they say that like, there's a 3% drop, they're not, I'm, I'm assuming if it's a well done study, they're not comparing, uh, like, like one day to the next, they're comparing the group that got enough sleep versus the group that didn't get enough sleep. You see what I'm saying? Um, I think they're comparing it to when the person was normally sleeping before the study started. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. They're they're trying to they're they're comparing a a like a sleep condition to a not sleep yeah, condition with each individual. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 They tested them before they actually restricted their sleep and before they extended their sleep, and I think that's what they're comparing it to. Okay. Was their time trial performances before they did any of that? Like, and do they normal. mention what the athletes normal? sleep duration was yeah i think they said it was like around seven and a half hours so not optimal yeah they, that was okay. something that they seven i mean seven and a half hours is like a half hour off of yeah eight. yeah but they were saying like the minimum that they would recommend is eight and so these you know right i remember that being something that so I, but but so they but a sleep cycle on average is like 90 minutes and i think that's part of what like having a device like whoop will tell you is or, you know, inform me about is like not everyone's sleep cycle is exactly 90 minutes, sometimes mm-hmm. fluctuates person to yeah. person. But if you, I mean, if, also if it's 90 get... minutes for a sleep cycle, then seven and a half hours means like you're, you're waking up right after that. Uh, what would it be like the uh, seventh sleep or fifth sleep cycle? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well also the sleep cycles get shorter throughout the True. night. Yeah. 
So depending on what sleep um, state you're in, right? Right, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know about you guys, but I actually have a really hard time sleeping more than eight hours. And I don't use an alarm and I don't restrict my sleep. I sleep as much as I possibly yeah, can. Yes, so that was something else they talked about was like, even though, so in the extended sleep group, the group that was sleeping more, um, their sleep efficiency mm. actually went down, meaning, so basically what that means is like when we have a lot of sleep debt, we sleep better because like our body is like craving that sleep. So if you're getting enough sure. sleep each night, then yeah, like what you said, you know, you have a hard time sleeping more than eight hours. That's because you're getting enough sleep. Like you're not accumulating this sleep debt and then just like sleeping mm -hmm. for 12 hours at a time, you know? Um, so yeah. Like, like what I'm trying to say is that if I was in this study and they told me to sleep for another hour and a half, I wouldn't be able to right. do it. And that's what they, they like even I just, saw. I wouldn't, right. they even I wouldn't. saw that um, in the study, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, but let's they, talk but about even, like, even with that, they said performance still got better, even though the efficiency wasn't like all sure. there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about practicality and how are you actually sleeping? Like, do you have blackout curtains or are you letting the light wake you up? Like, is your thermostat at like 65? Like, what is the some of the weirder sleep things? Does anybody have like the thing that they must have? Yeah, so, so I'm... I, I've always been a really poor sleeper. Um, I think it probably dates back to like either high school or college days of like staying up super late to study and then like waking up super early. I was always like kind of a procrastinator. So there was always like some deadline I was trying to meet and that meant a lot of sleepless nights. Um, and I think ever since then, I just haven't had a good sleep. I mean, I, I've, I've implemented different routines to try and improve it, but um, I, I think there's just like some, I don't know, chronic condition that I just don't sleep well generally. Um, so I have to do a lot of different things to try and induce good sleep habits. Um, I use melatonin almost nightly just to like initiate that sleep sleepiness. Um, I, Caitlin's eyes just got real big. So there must be uh, must have something there. I've done the melatonin sleep gummies and I feel like I went through the whole container and I was popping them one a night. And That's I was like, way too many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I used them consistently. They said not habit forming, you know. And as soon as I ran out, I was like, "Here we are again!" Like I cannot sleep, and I just I went out, got it again, did the same thing, and I was like, "No, this has to be bad." So, like, yeah, maybe I mean, my, maybe my it, body isn't producing melatonin like it did previously. Now that I've been taking these, so I'm off them. Um, yeah, and like for me, it like it, it some of it might be like a mental thing too, like popping my melatonin just kind of like tells me like, all right, we're, we're, we're starting that sleep routine. You know, like before then yeah. I can like, you know, stay up, watch the show, whatever. But once we pop the melatonin, it's like, all right, we got to start thinking about sleeping. So it, it, some of it might be placebo. Um, I definitely can fall asleep somebody, without it. Somebody needs to uh, replace your melatonin with a sugar pill without. Yeah. Telling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tell Allie to do that or something. Um, so that's, but that's like, you know, that, that kind of starts, my actual bedtime routine but even before that um and i'm like again like i'm a bad sleeper so i'm like doing all the things you're supposed to do mm -hmm. um blue light blocking glasses i start that like two hours before do you actually have I, like, some of those glasses plan on going to bed oh yeah wow um i like won't watch tv before bed unless i'm wearing those wow um and i so so that's like something that i kind of like you know start that usually around seven o'clock at night 
uh, whether I'm on the computer or TV or even just on my phone or whatever. Right. I put those on. Um, I have to sleep. And this is like, this is probably more so even than melatonin. I have to sleep with an eye mask. Um, mm. I call it my iPad. And and I don't know what it is. Like it's, it's, it definitely helps like block out the light, but I think there's something about like the comfort of like the compression of it, like on my face that like, it's just like comforting. Um, I used to not do that, but once I started, I like couldn't stop. So like, that's something like, even if I travel, if I forget my iPad, I like wrap a, a you know, arm warmer around my face or something. Cause like, I can't sleep without <laughs> it. It's kind of weird. So that's like one of those weird habits. That's great. Um, and, and I'll even like, you know, it, it, it kind of switches up, but like, you know, I, I even like, I've done like the, um, it's okay. what's it called? Like you can admit AS, you, you suck ASMR. Your, you, you suck your thumb or, at night. It's all right. It's just soothing. No, I, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> no. Um, but a, a big thing lately, or, you know, kind of a thing lately. So me and Theo, my son before bed, we watch the F1 Netflix series. Ooh. Um, and it doesn't take long. It takes like five minutes. And like, I don't even remember most of the series I've watched, like, you know, the two seasons so far. And I don't even remember most of it. Cause like something about that just like helps me turn my brain off. That's the biggest thing for me is like, I have so many thoughts going through my head that it's hard to get my brain to shut off. So like watching something where I can just like kind of zone out for a little bit, um, after doing the melatonin, got the blue light glasses on, <laughs> you know, got my sleeping pad ready to go on my head. It's like, then the F1 series comes on and it's like, it's, it's almost game over at that point. I, you know, five minutes and I'm, and I'm out. Wow. I got another one for you. So I always look for every opportunity to bring this up because I, at first I thought it was absolutely absurd, but there has to be some, some validity to it. So we have our Wi-Fi on a timer. Mm. So my oh. husband, like, would wake up consistently around 4.30 every morning. And we were just like pulling in straws trying to figure out what was going on. And I think a lot of it was probably like work stress related, but I mean, we did this and it it's helped. So so like when he wakes up at 4.30, there's not like this, like, oh, I got to check my phone or email or whatever. Like he just like subconsciously knows like nothing's pushed through because the internet's off. I mean, he went as far as to say, like, it is the Wi-Fi. Like, oh, I mean, like our brain, brain, is, brain is nothing really? but electrical wow. wavelengths. <laughs> that is, that's yeah, some, that's some signs. I mean, you guys must have that 5G. Because we've always kept our phones, like, in the bathroom. We plug them up and leave them there, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I always plug, I've, I, we don't have a TV in our bedroom, and I leave my phone in the other room. It doesn't. It doesn't come into the bedroom. It just, yeah, it gets plugged in in the kitchen. Yes, yeah. I I wanted to do that, but I I sleep much better after I watch like a few minutes of a show on my phone. Yeah. And then like I wake up, my I phone's like stand laying that. next to me, and I'm like, whoa, what just happened? When CJ's like curled up with her phone in front of her face, I'm like, you're not going to be able to sleep tonight, and she sleeps fine. Dude, she got to wear the glasses. I'm like, I'm like no way. <laughs> I I fall asleep in like five minutes every night. It's probably because you ride really four hours every day, so you're you're just you're just getting that twenty one strain, and so you're tired. Yeah. Drew, so what so, about you? So I I know that you. I remember like last year talking to you, and you were talking about how like you know you were getting like five hours of sleep a night, and you were like buzzing about that. You're like, oh yeah, I, you know, all I need is five and a half hours. 
Yeah. You'd sleep from like no, you know, I've, I've read 11 it. to to 4. Yeah, so crazy. I think that maybe that was like the so about a year and a half or two years ago, I had this job where I had to be there at 4 a.m. So I was waking up at 3.30 to get there. So I think maybe that was just some lingering effects of like my circadian rhythm was like was just jacked up from that. Um, I think like people who pride themselves on that. And again, that was me, like probably still is like to a certain extent me of like, you know, I don't need that much sleep. There is actually a gene that they found that that is like these less sleep lessers, I don't know what else to call them, where they can opt or operate pretty optimally uh, with only like six and a half hours, seven hours, or six and a half. It's like five and a half to six and a half hours sleep. So like less than the normal eight hours. But it's so rare that like, if you think you have it, you you probably don't. Like it's it's like you're more likely to get struck by lightning, is what the book said. Like, right? You so, probably so don't for have you it. though. So so going from that state where you know you were, I mean, I, I don't want to say priding yourself, but you were like pretty content with the fact that you were getting like five to six hours of sleep a night and still training at like a, a very high level. So what? Let's like let's just go around the table here to kind of wrap this up. Let's each give like one anecdotal thing that we've done to help better our sleep routine so like why don't you start us off drew wait but i have more like i have one more can we talk about one more thing before this all right so you can talk so one more one more thing dude i've one i've only thing. i've only gotten to like i've only gotten to like yeah, half the studies yeah, i wanted this to was talk supposed about. to be over by now so so one more we might so have to have a part two this is like okay you guys know me and i'm like all about pain tolerance perceived exertion and so like when you ask the question why does sleep restriction or sleep deprivation actually affect performance that's where the question mark really occurs because they they can't really pinpoint like oh here is why getting less sleep in fact in this book i was reading there's not even a really good reason for why humans sleep in the first place like like a lot of times it's like we need to energy conserve but like when we sleep we don't actually we burn almost the same amount of calories when we're sleeping as when we're awake so like that argument isn't isn't very valid so like you could make the argument of like why do we even sleep? But anyways, back to the perceived well, exertion thing. Did you have something to say about that? Yeah, because in deep sleep, I believe it is, is when testosterone is released and growth hormone growth hormone is released more and that's like when the true like tissue repair happens. And so if you're minimizing your deep sleep, they actually did a study where people or men that didn't have um I forget X amount of uh, hours in deep sleep actually saw a decrease in testosterone, like measurable. Right. It was significant. Yeah. I, I think what Drew's getting at is that there's no doubt that sleep helps people both for their health and their physical performance, but wouldn't it make more sense if we could just do all of these processes while we were awake and then we didn't have to waste eight hours of our day yeah. every single yeah, day. Basically. Basically. Um, but so like, so when you are ask, there, so, so when you are ask, there, are there any animal species that don't sleep? Um, so many underwater mammals, it's like, uh, dolphins, whales, dolphins, maybe <laughs> don't ask me to define <laughs> underwater mammals. They have very weird sleep cycles. Like, um, like they don't do our, was it like, they don't get at all one or the other REM or NREM sleep, but when they sleep on land, it's like a seal. A seal could sleep underwater or above water. When they sleep on land, 
immediately REM sleep starts happening and they start dreaming. But when they're underwater, that like they don't get any of that kind of sleep, which is like pretty weird. But I think every animal does. Yes, because they got sharks lurking all over. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times it goes back to like, yeah, um, survival. Birds that when they fly, trans, trans, whatever that's called, trans. Yeah. Where they have to fly for days, they'll turn off. They have they can segment their brains where they turn off half their brain. That half of the brain sleeps while the other half is going, and then it switches. Whoa. Yeah, but dude, but I've got this bird in my yard that that every morning runs into my or flies into my window. It must be like sleep flying. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but we can't do that. Um, like we literally like just fall asleep. Um, so, anyways, back to perceived <laughs> exertion. A couple little rabbit holes there. Perceived exertion is probably, and this is all like what you know. All of the like most of the studies that I read, it was like, oh, we're speculating here, but uh, and they would go on to say the reason that 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 time trial performance decreases and power decreases when sleep is deprived is because of this perceived exertion. Because when they do these tests, the 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 people performing are still saying they're hitting their max RPE, their max perceived exertion. Um, which, which makes sense. Cause you're going to go until you can't go any further. It's just that when they don't sleep as much, that RPE happens a lot sooner. And so like their time to exhaustion basically, uh, decreases or like, um, happens a lot quicker. And a lot of this goes back to like, sleep is something that our brains need. Um, it's like a neuro, it's like something to do with neuro. It's like your neurocognitive health. Um, and so when your brain isn't at its best, that's when perceived exertion goes up because that's all happening in your brain. You know, I, um, uh, we, we were talking about big sugar on the bonk bros podcast and you guys were like, why did you perform so badly Dylan? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like I'm trying to rack my brain. When I think back to the week before that race, I was sleeping super poorly the week before that race for whatever excuses, reason. Excuses, excuses. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't make an excuse at the time, but now that we're now that we're talking about sleep, like my sleep that week was awful. Like I don't know why it's not it's not typical for me, but like for whatever reason I was like not sleeping that week. I don't know. And along the same lines of like perceived exertion, one of the studies I read said sleep extension has been shown to increase pain tolerance in healthy adults. So this isn't even talking about this isn't talking about sports performance or anything. It's literally most of the time. I don't know if they did this in this study, but most of the time when they test for pain tolerance, it's literally how long you can keep your hand in an ice ice thing um, that induces pain. And so they, they, they found that sleep extension increases pain tolerance in healthy adults, which may explain higher power outputs for a given RPE after three nights of sleep extension. So they're stipulating that pain tolerance and perceived exertion is, is why the performance increases, which again, is just going back to your brain is in a better state to handle pain and exertion and effort and all that. Yeah. I want to bring up a hypothetical situation and kind of get your opinion on it. So let's say you have, as a coach, you have an athlete who, um, let's say, like has a newborn, works crazy hours, and truly the only time they can, they're paying you to make them a faster cyclist, and truly the only time they can get their workouts done, it's 9, nine to like 10.30 at night on the trainer. What do you do? Like, I feel like 
just as a human being, I need to urge them and tell them like, look, for the sake of longevity and overall health, you need to get sleep. Like, I mean, we at least need to have that conversation, but like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, if they, uh, this is maybe too easy, but um, if they are making the time at the end of the day, I would, I would suggest flipping it and instead of staying up till 11 PM and then getting whatever, seven hours of sleep, wake up an hour and a half earlier and do it in the morning. I think if you had to pick one, one or the other, you know, I think doing your workout first thing in the morning is going to be better than late at night. Cause it's going to have a fit. If you do it right before you go to sleep. So like nine or 10 at, at night, mm-hmm. it's going to then affect how your quality of sleep where like that night, you're not going to sleep as good. Whereas if you do it in the morning, yeah, you're, 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 I don't know. You just have to Some, shift your when you go to sleep and when you wake up, if that makes sense. Some people do really struggle with the morning workouts, right, but they're though. still getting um, a good night's sleep. I've got, yeah. I've literally, I, mean, I, I get it. Like waking up early sucks. I know true. that, but then at least you're getting higher quality sleep at the end of the day. Yeah, you can get used to waking up early, but you can't there, get yeah. ever adapt to getting better sleep right. if you're releasing those endorphins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They so they've actually done they've done research on what time in the day you perform the best. And they like they've tested morning versus afternoon. I don't think they tested late at night. I don't know if late at night you would perform the best. Maybe some people would, but generally people perform the best in the day if they're performing in the afternoon, not in the morning. Although morning people perform better in the morning than non-morning people. Um, so like somebody who's naturally awake in the morning, doesn't necessarily need caffeine in the morning to wake up is going to perform better in the morning than somebody who's like, you know, dragging themselves out of bed. Yeah, did you know most world records are broken right around like two to 3 PM, but, but that's because that's yeah. because when those, yeah. that's when those Literally. races only happen. <laughs> like most of the time track yeah. and field events they, don't they, happen in the morning. They happen in the afternoon. Yeah. If you also, if you like, if you really have control of your schedule and you can ride any time in the day that you want, if you've got a race coming up and you know what time in the day that race is going to be, you should start training at that time. So if you've got a really early morning start, you should start training at that time. If you got, if like a nighttime crit for some reason, I don't know about that really, one though. You know, that's like I wouldn't your A race. train late at night. Because again, that's just going to jack up your sleep, and then you're not going to be recovering as good. Well, I guess it depends on how late yeah, at night we're talking. I would say do it once to understand what it's going to feel yeah, like. Yeah, but I wouldn't but do it. Train. Yeah, there. I wouldn't do it repetitively because then it would just mess up your recovery. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta jump off here, but you guys can keep talking do about. Do you have sleep. any other final yeah, remarks, Dylan? Words of wisdom. Yeah. Um, I was also going to say that like, so we've been talking about how sleep affects performance, but, but doing, um, you know, doing endurance activities Mm -hmm. affects sleep as well. And it's not always in a positive way. Maybe if you're not used to endurance activity and you do a little (laughs) bit of it, you're feeling tired and you sleep, but doing ultra endurance activity in particularly in particular, like really stressing your body actually has a negative impact on your sleep. And sometimes people don't even realize it. Like they've done surveys where they've asked subjects who've done an ultra endurance race, how do you feel like you slept? And they're like, "Ah, I feel like I slept normal. 
But if you actually look at their, you know, time spent in REM sleep and their wakefulness and their rest, you know, restlessness and all of that, they slept worse and they don't even know that right. they slept worse. So doing like super stressful workouts, it, it's, it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing that when you need sleep the most for your recovery, it's actually the hardest time for your body to, to get sleep. Well, on that negative, um, on that negative note, I don't know if <laughs> see you later, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there was anything else that I wanted to say. I mean, I like, I had a bunch of stuff written down, but you guys are doing a great job. All right. All right see so, you. Man. I'll catch y'all later. So, so going back to Caitlin's, uh, you know, hypothetical scenario. I think one thing you have to weigh out is like, is, is the performance loss from insufficient sleep going to outweigh the performance loss from that athlete forcing themselves to wake up super early in the morning? Cause like, obviously if, if they're choosing to, to, to work out at night, they're probably not one of those morning people. Right. So you know, otherwise they'd, they'd probably opt for, you know, going to sleep at nine and then waking up at four. Um, and there's, there's going to be a give and a take. So, you know, I think, I think that is a question you have to ask the athlete, um, and kind of, you know, take into, into the equation is like, you know, what's going to be more performance enhancing. Is it going to be that extra quality of sleep at night or the extra quality of the workout because they worked out at night? Um, and, and maybe the athlete, you know, I mean, I know it's, a lot of it's, you know, just anecdotal, but maybe they, they do feel like they sleep a little bit better if they get a workout in. Um, some people actually prefer that. It feels, you know, they feel like they can wind down easy. I personally feel like I, I have a hard time winding down if I'm, if I'm working out late in the day. Um, you know, like whenever I've done like, you know, evening races, like it's always hard for me to war- to wind down. Um, but some athletes, may, maybe that's what they, their preference is. Um, but I think one thing to point out though, is like, you know, going back to what you're saying, Caitlin is like, you know, yeah, it's, it's important for them for their overall health to sleep for sure. But if they do have specific endurance performance goals, like sleep isn't training. Like you, you can't just like, you can't just substitute in sleep and say like, well, you know, it's going to be better for your recovery if you just get extra sleep. It's like, well, you still have to do the training too. Right. So like there, there might have to be some other things, some other stresses in their life that maybe you can talk with them. Like, can we, can we strip out anything from your life that's contributing to your overall like stress load, um, to one, help you better recover, uh, two, maybe we can fit your workouts in at a you know more optimal time. Um, or if there's really no flexibility at all, like, you know, maybe you're going to be compromised for three months, um, and you're going to, you know, feel kind of crummy, but hopefully like once you get through that, like you've got your off season break and you're going to like, you know, take, take some time off the bike or, you know, just take some time to recover in general. Um, but you know, sleep is not a direct replacement for training. It, it is good for recovery, but you don't, you don't get faster. You don't make it, you know, you don't, um, you don't actually gain anything from sleeping alone. It has to be sleep combined with training. Yeah. To your point, Am I on? Yeah, you can hear me. I thought maybe I was muted. Yep. Um, the book in the book it talks about like it's talk when it's talking about specifically with athletes. It says practice makes perfect. Maybe not so. It seems perhaps it is that practice with sleep makes perfect. And the reason he says that is because muscle memory is in fact brain memory. So training and strengthening muscles can help you better execute a skilled memory routine. But the routine itself the memory program resides firmly and exclusively within the brain. So like 
the fact that like you know, like we're building up this um these like routines and like movements and motor skills in our brains like that happens and it shows that sleep actually improves those motor skills even in something like cycling you know um yeah yeah for sure and and you know kind of going back to the same scenario like you know if an athlete comes to you and you know they're they're seeking coaching advice or maybe they you know they're a new athlete for you um and they're coming to you because they've plateaued in their performance like they're they're banging their head against the wall like they just can't seem to get better that could be something you look at is like are you getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. because maybe maybe stripping out if they're training 12 hours a week but they could get two to three more hours of sleep throughout the week by stripping out a couple uh you know either one workout or rearranging their workouts so it can better fit in their schedule or um you know shortening some of those evening workouts instead of doing 90 minutes you do you know 60 minutes and, and all of that culminates in an extra two to three hours of sleep, but it actually decreases their training volume. That's, that's an opportunity to actually improve performance. Yeah. Um, but what you can't do is say, like, if you're only training three hours a week, you can't be like, well, if you slept three more hours and didn't train at all, like, you'd be better yeah. off because, like, yeah. you're not. Like, you still need some of that training load oh, to take place. Sure, yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, what do you call that? Yeah, what you just said, that analogy. That's good. Because, I mean, we're all, like, we're we're all guilty of, like, train more, train harder, this, that. So, like, having a coach that has the, I don't know, the uh, wisdom to say, well, maybe you need to sleep a little more. That would be, you know, the biopsychosocial training perspective. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. health. Some scientific big words for (laughs) you. Just make stuff up. (laughs) Um. Sweet. Well, we're at 50 minutes. That's a little more than what we bargained for, but it was good. It was worth it. Yeah. We could probably do a whole nother episode, but. Oh yeah. It sounds like Dylan only had, yeah, only covered half of the material that he brought. So maybe our listeners, if if they're, if you want some more kind of research evidence-based information about sleep, let us know and we can always do a follow-up sleep episode. But to, to wrap this up, let's give one tip for people who, maybe struggle with sleep, how they can improve their sleep performance. Want me to start? Go for it. I'm just, again, this is like back to me and my personal experience over the last couple months is um, schedule more time in bed than you think. Um, Just because you're getting in bed for eight hours doesn't necessarily mean you're sleeping eight hours. I think that's been big for me is give yourself more time in bed than you, than you think. What about you, Kaylin? I'm going to say temperature because it's not really mm. subjective. Like light, some people say like, I like waking up to the light. I need total black, dark out curtains. Um, and sound, some people are like, I need to hear the TV to fall asleep, whatever. But like temperature is not really a subjective one. It's like you sleep good, like between 65 and 68 degrees. Is that um, literally the numbers? And- 65 and 68? I think they say 65. Yeah. Um, but one thing that we did after this was before we put the Wi-Fi on the timer, we got an Uller, which is made by chili pad. And it's this, um, mat that goes underneath your top sheet and sits on your mattress and it circulates cool water. And like the water goes back to a box. So 
it's getting cooled there and cooling your your core body so it's like a water it's like a so water it, bed but just with cold water yeah pretty much sort of. so you do that, that does it you do that as opposed to like resetting your thermostat at night no we still do that too oh but you don't really notice the you don't really feel it it's not that strong but it's okay. we know when it's not there for sure oh they say do you travel really... with that too um no the box is pretty big but okay we're about to go full time in the van after Christmas, yeah. and we're we're definitely taking that. With oh, us. it is going in the van. Just just that's gonna, oh yeah, just leave, that's gonna yeah, increase. Just, the, just leave the windows it's open. It's gonna increase the MPGs. <laughs> the what per gallon? A, a box of water in the back of your van? That's like a bunch of that's. Like, oh, it's not that big. Oh. It, it's really not. I mean, it's. I like <laughs> what you got, Adam. Okay, so so mine would actually be um, task management. So if you're out there and you're like me where you have like all these thoughts of like things you need to do the next day running through your head, one thing that's really helped me is to create a to-do list before I get into mm-hmm. bed of the things that I'm going to do the next day. And it helps just call my mind like, okay, I know what I got to do tomorrow. I don't have to think about this. That's saved for tomorrow's task. Right now I need to focus on sleep. And it just helps to like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't sit there thinking at night, like, you know, oh, was, what was that one thing that I like, you know, need to get done tomorrow? It's like, I already got it down on my list and then I can wake up and feel productive. There we go. We got to wake up and what does it say? Wake up and work. Wake up and work. Wake up and work. But this one is so good because you put your to-do list and then it has you rank them by by priority. And then on the side, before I go to bed, I write down the top three accomplishments of my day. And that makes me feel like, cause Oftentimes I feel like I went to bed and didn't accomplish anything, but like, if I just pick out the top three, if it's as stupid, simple as like, at least I got those two loads of laundry done. Like that makes me feel better. And I sleep better. Totally. All about it. Um, I'm big. Like one of the best books I've ever read to, to, this is to reiterate what Adam just said is called deep work by Cal Newport. And he suggests even having a shut down routine where he literally like when he leaves his desk or his office, he runs through like what he needs to do tomorrow and tasks. And then he literally, he like, he said this in the book that he literally out loud to himself says, shut down complete. And he closes his computer. And that like puts the period on the day of like now the rest of the day, he's going to spend with his family and not have this residue of his work kind of like impairing his ability to sleep or spend time with his family and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's good. That's cool. One more thing. Sorry. I have heard that if people don't have like this routine and they don't typically make a to-do list, but they're one where their brain is going at night, instead of laying there for 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. hoping that you'll fall asleep, it is better to get up, get out of bed and then go write that stuff down. Or if something is really bothering you, like wake up, get out of bed, go do it, and then come back to sleep. And chances are you're going to fall asleep better. Yeah, actually this weekend, the night before one of the races, woke up in the middle of the night and was wide awake. So I got up and grabbed my my Why We Sleep book at 2 a.m. and read for an hour until I got sleepy because sitting there was not helping. So I just got up and read. I wasn't going to watch TV because I didn't want the, like, screen or anything, but I read until I got tired. It was just ironic that I was sleeping. I was reading my Why We Sleep book when I couldn't sleep. (laughs) Cool. Well, 
a little longer than we expected, but it was good. A lot of info yeah. there. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you guys next sure. week. Bye. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go! Let's go!